Chapter 10 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. An ardent wish is what he here calls a desire, for I ardently wish, says he, and pray that they may obtain salvation. Verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He mingles his censure with praise, hiding, as it were, the hook beneath the bait, that the benefit of what he says might be accepted by them. Verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Their unreasonable adherence to the law is what he here calls their own righteousness, for they are zealous still to observe it, though it has now come to an end, and that which is of grace through faith what he speaks of as the righteousness of God. For, so he goes on to say, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. For faith in the Lord is not contrary to the law, but most agreeable therewith, seeing that the law itself has directed us to the Lord Christ. He then that trusts in Christ fulfills the intention of the law. And well again does he say to every one that believeth. For the whole race of mankind has been comprehended, so that whether it be Greek or barbarian, if he believe, he shall obtain salvation. And then he again sets forth the difference between the law and grace, and introduces Moses the lawgiver as the teacher of both. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Whosoever has observed all things enjoined by the law has life as the reward of such obedience, but any one transgression entails punishment. Verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Deuteronomy 30, 12. That is, but concerning the righteousness which is of faith, not Moses himself, but the God of all, through Moses, speaks thus. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. These things the God of all spake indeed concerning the law, teaching the Jews that without labor on their own part they had received the knowledge of what they ought to do, and needed neither an ascent into heaven nor a descent into Hades. The word is nigh thee, for the knowledge of what thou shouldst do has been given unto thee. But the holy apostle has transferred them to this account of faith, teaching us that we should not over-curiously inquire into the dispensation in Jesus Christ, or question that the only begotten Son of God did become incarnate, and having endured the passion, brought in the resurrection. But by faith reap the salvation offered. For the word is nigh thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart. And then he adds, that is the word of faith which we preach. What Moses once said of the injunctions of the law, that we now say of faith. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For both are necessary, a sound and firm faith, and a confession uttered with boldness, that both the heart may be adorned with a certain persuasion of faith, and the tongue dignified with a fearless proclamation of the truth. And then again he adduces the testimony of Scripture. Verse 11, For the Scripture saith, Isaiah 28:10, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, and he explains the whosoever, verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. 
for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, 4, Joel 3, 5, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The salvation of men is what he here calls the riches of God, for he well knew the loving kindness of the Lord, and most aptly does he suit his testimonies to the heart and to the tongue. To the heart, the whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. To the tongue, the whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he shows that the Jews had voluntarily deprived themselves of salvation by not choosing to receive the gospel offered, while yet he puts not forth this proof nakedly, but brings about the argument in a different way. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, And how shall they preach, except they be sent? First, says he, must a person believe, and then call upon God. But it is impossible for any one to believe who has not enjoyed instruction. And this no one can obtain without there being teachers, and these again commission constitutes. Having laid down these positions, as it were, in vindication of the Jews, by them he increases the blame lying on them. And that which is first, in order of time, namely the sending forth of preachers, he puts last, as being about to show that of old all this had been foretold, for it would have been in the common course to have set forth this before saying the rest, it being necessary first that preachers be appointed, then that they should preach, then that men should hear their preaching, and lastly believe. Therefore he adduces the prophecy of Isaiah 52.7, and says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. For the Lord bade his apostles, when entering into a house, to say, Peace be to this house, Luke 10.5, for they were proclaiming the divine reconciliation, and bringing glad tidings of the enjoyment of good things. The feet of such, then, he calls beautiful, as running a goodly course, as washed by the hands of the Lord himself. And having thus brought forward the evidence concerning the preachers, he says interrogatively, verse 16, But they have not all obeyed the gospel? And then again in reply, Isaiah saith, 53.1, Lord, who hath believed our report? Nor has the scripture been silent on this point either, but of old. God predicted all this by Isaiah, and then in drawing his conclusion, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Wherefore, whosoever disbelieves, disbelieves the divine oracles, and whosoever believes, receiving the divine words, brings forth faith as the fruit of his hearing. Verse 18. But, I say, have they not heard? And this again is to be read interrogatively. And then, as the answer, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. For how is it possible that the Jews should not have heard, when the nations spread over the whole earth had heard? for to them first the preachers of the truth brought their tidings for so the lord himself enjoined them matthew ten six but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of israel and in the acts of the apostles chapter thirteen verse forty it was necessary that the word of god should first have been spoken to you and the holy apostle continues in the same form of argument making his positions clearer by question and answer for so again we must read interrogatively verse nineteen but i say did not israel know and then what follows as the reply First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Deuteronomy 32.21 We, it is, whom he calls foolish, pointing out the folly we laboured under before our conversion to the faith. For so also the holy apostle speaks, Titus 3.3, 3, For we ourselves also were sometime foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. 
by this god grievously vexed the jews for neither the captivity nor the dispersion nor the destruction of the temple so much distresses them as do the religion and eminence of the gentiles verse twenty but isaiah is very bold and saith i was found of them that sought me not i was made manifest unto them that asked not after me sixty five eleven he shows at once the prophecy of the revelation of divine knowledge to the gentiles and the bloodthirstings of the jews as the expression is very bold testifies he feared not says he the mad and murdering jews but with great boldness predicted the salvation of the gentiles and foretold the infidelity of the jews as what follows shows verse twenty one but to israel he saith all day long i have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people all day long means without ceasing for so simarchus and aquila interpret the every day having thus pointed out that the inspired prophets both condemned the jews and foreshadowed the faith of the gentiles he seems indeed in what follows to bring comfort to them while in truth adding fresh censures on the disbelievers End of chapter ten